I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Move the Guest Work podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer and Antonia, our co-founder, is with us today. So we're sat together in person and we've got Sarah Elliott with us, who's a friend of ours. She's a cycle instructor. She's the founder of Vault Coaching, which is a life coaching and fitness business. But by the sound of it, the brief conversations we've had before before going on air, there's more to it than that. She's hosting retreats in Canada, but also across the world that are currently sold out. So she's doing some fantastic stuff. So I wanted to get her on, sort of unpick her relationship with health, fitness and well-being what she's doing, a bit about why spinning is so popular and how she balances fitness with recovery. We've actually had to postpone this a couple of times because you've had a sore throat. So you know, that challenge of balancing the freneticness of, of multiple spin classes a week, you know, it'd be interesting to see how you do that. But anyway, first of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. And you're right. I just feel like this has been a long time, a long time in the making. So I, yeah, I'm well, anxiously uh, excited to, yeah. to do this. Yeah, it'll, it'll be well worth it, I'm sure. You've got an interesting backstory, not wildly dissimilar to mine, in that you you had quite a, a big pivot in your career and, and lifestyle as well, I would imagine. But at what point in your career did your relationship with your own health, fitness and well-being change and you made that leap to something quite different? Yeah, it was about, I'd been living in London for over a year. I was starting to feel very settled in the city and within myself. And I started really just asking myself the bigger question of what lifestyle do I want to be living and what do I really want to be known for? And the lifestyle I was living in the corporate world just wasn't sustainable for me anymore. It wasn't, it was fulfilling, but it wasn't something that was giving me immense amounts of joy. And I'm someone that appreciates movement and I get energy from moving my body and the corporate world gave me a lot of intellectual development and personal development but I was ready to kind of let that chapter close and, and enter fitness industry. So I left my job a year ago, just over a year ago now. So December, yeah, 28. Yeah. And it, it was scary because I didn't really know what I was going to create. I knew I had philosophies and principles and values that I wanted to establish in a company that I was building, but I really stayed focused just on the day-to-day really. And I was conscious that I was entering an industry that's quite developed already, whether it's coaching or fitness training. So I really leveraged like a lot of people around me within my network, obviously working at Cycle, I get the exposure there to a lot of the instructors and, and that community really helped me transition from nine to five to a freelancer. And I've just, I've never really looked back since I look at the balance that my lifestyle has now and and the type of work that I do, I think, pulls on my strengths much more than the corporate world did. Yeah. Before you go on, what was it like when you, you made, because it's quite an abrupt 
thing to do. It's quite, I mean, and particularly with respect, when you're a bit younger, often you people grind it out in their 30s and 40s until they've got to leave. You know, you kind of pulled the plug early on before you allowed it to really degrade your health by the sound of it. Yeah. Did you jump and then sort of check if you had a parachute packed, you know, like mm-hmm. I did? So I just left and thought, I'm going to figure this out on the way down. Or did you, were you sensible about putting some money aside and making plans? Because a lot of people listening will be unhappy in what they do and be quite curious as to how you've gone about making that transition. Right. I think the start before I even left the job, but when I started having these feelings that I, I wanted to make a change, I started just talking about it everywhere I went. I think that. There's bringing bringing it alive in your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's sometimes a vulnerability there. And I know I, I was having feelings of guilt, but as soon as I, because I had a great job, I was making great money. I I shouldn't be feeling this way. But as soon as I started to talk about it, a lot of people started presenting themselves to me. So when I first met my first life coach at cycle, it was because I was just opening up to this transition that I felt I was going through. And so I worked with her for over eight months, which helped me to your point, Leanne, financially plan to leave. We asked a lot of, you know, deep questions. We spent a lot of time just working on what it is that would make me happy and fulfilled. And what were my strengths that maybe weren't getting leveraged as much um, in the corporate world. And so that led me to then eventually leaving. And so I, I didn't necessarily leave in, in, with, in a whim, I, it was about eight months in, in the works and having a life coach really helped facilitate making the right decisions. Cause I don't mm-hmm. think rushing something like that, it just, it didn't feel right for me. I wanted to make sure I had my ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. I had already made big change in my life, obviously moving abroad. I joined a startup when I was working in Toronto. So I'd made lots of transitions in my life. I wanted this one to be one that stuck. Mm-hmm. So having that support, having someone completely unbiased, because I have close friends and I'm really close with my family, but their their vested interest is obviously going to guide me. And so to have this, this person with a neutral perspective, fully supportive of anything I wanted to do, but didn't really have uh, the personal ties was really beneficial. Hence why then I wanted to become a life coach. It really <laughs> inspired me because the things that I took away from that working relationship, I thought if I could provide this to someone I mean that to me would be ultimate fulfillment yeah had you had a coach or anything before no okay Uh, what kind of value do you think a coach brings I can't imagine my life without one now I've changed coaches multiple times so you're still coached Mm -hmm. as well as being a coach you're still coached Yeah. yeah I'd say anyone working in in a field of therapy or counseling or coaching, it's important to still have, even if it's a mentor, but someone who you can speak candidly to as well. So my coaches have changed just based on my needs. So now obviously I've grown my business and I need someone who I can transparently share information with in a confidential way. So mm-hmm. there's still such a valuable role that that person plays. So yeah, I, I couldn't imagine my life without them. They just serve such a unique purpose, mm. unlike anybody else. Yeah. Well, I've had coaches for all sorts of things like tennis, public speaking. We've both been personal trained for years, years. me over a decade. Well, consistently every week that we're in the country, we, we get personal trained. So it's coaching of sorts, business coaching. And I think there's a huge value in it. Someone can take a, an external perspective. 
as well as adding a lot of value based on experience, be a sounding board, call you out and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. huge amounts of value. We'll come back to that. But how did switching up careers change your well-being? Has it given you more bandwidth to focus on it? Or how has that altered? Yeah, I think the role that fitness has played in my life has definitely evolved. I've always been an active child and person, and it's always been important to me to move my body and and never do anything in extreme. I think I've reached a point now where I'm really exploring, you know, the older that I get and I've had a few injuries over the last year. I'm just in this kind of curious mindset where I like to expose myself to different studios and different ways of moving than just like the traditional going to the gym sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I still think I'm in the early stages of just exploring. I obviously teach. So that gives me a form of fitness just as a baseline. But to me, it's important to still do something for myself outside of the teaching Mm. and also to keep my body guessing. I find my body, as most people do, it, it learns quickly and starts to plateau. So I love to keep intellectually stimulated while I work out. So going to new studios, new environments, new instructors, you're always just picking up different techniques things that you don't like that then you apply that you're more kind of hyper aware of as an instructor. Like I really didn't like, you know, this element, you kind of, it really helps you hone in on, on your skill as a trainer or a coach. Can I just, can I, yeah. So I actually, I, pers- I totally agree with what you just said, because I think every good personal trainer or fitness coach or any coach for that matter evolves, you know, you start off as being, you know, you do the traditional gym bit and then, you know, as you get older, you notice, hmm, I can't really sit on that bike or I can't really run as long as, as I used to be able to. I get these funny knee aches and that sort of stuff. And then all of a sudden you start exploring. And I think every good personal trainer or fitness coach, you know, does is on that journey. I myself am on that journey. Just like you, I started, or we started off as the traditional gym instructors and personal trainers, but now I've completely moved in the opposite direction. Not opposite direction as in <laughs> I don't do any exercise, but I become smarter in the terms of movement because at the end of the day, it's all about longevity, health and well-being is longevity. It's not about bench pressing 150 kilos and then by the time you're 55, you, you know, your, your joints are all messed up. You know, So it, it becomes about a more way of an intelligent movement, but I think you need to grow into that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree. And- when I look back at when I was working out and and still in the corporate world, it was more of an escape. It was a stress relief for me. Whereas net fitness, it, it just serves a totally different role. For me, it's actually a creative outlet. And you're right, I think the sustainability behind it, listening to you in the morning, what type of fitness is going to best serve me today? Mm-hmm. Is it simply a walk? Is it yoga? Or is it something high intensity? Like just giving myself those options that I, I, I think that's probably the biggest change I've noticed is before it was get out of work or wake up super early, go to a gym, squeeze it in, sweat out the stress and then get back into work. Whereas now, like, I think I'm more intuitive and exploring more options for myself. But I think that's also a good thing for your clients, you know, because that will then also transfer onto your clients because I find personally amongst the people that we still work with is, you know, you have to kind of almost, you become an educator for them. You know, you kind of have to tell them, well, actually, yes, you think you have to have a high intensity interval training session right now because that's what you read. You know, you want to burn fat, you want to do this and that and the other, but completely ignore the fact that they're totally stressed at work. And maybe, you know, you should rather go for a walk and that sort of stuff. It's not always about squash, you know, squeezing in 
five high intensity interval training sessions a week maybe you know change it up walk or don't train you know just have a day off mm. really and I think people it doesn't seem to sink in is my personal experience they just want to hit the gym because they sit at their desk and uh, you know for 10 12 16 hours and then think yeah, yeah I, I want to move I've got to move yeah. do yeah I think that's what you've done is really clever with mm. coaching because you've I love intersections and blending things. And what you've done is combine life coaching with the physical movement aspect. And that's when I think a whole client engagement becomes very powerful, a very powerful dynamic. Mm -hmm. Because I think to effectively coach someone, sometimes you need to move them as well. You're not just trying to shift ideas around. You move the body. They've got that fresh oxygenated blood Mm -hmm. going to the brain. You've got the neurogenesis. Boom, suddenly they've got the energy, the headspace, the bandwidth to talk about these big shifts that you might be trying to encourage. Is there anything else? So I know at the moment you get that that physical training plus the life coaching. Are you bringing in any other strands into that? Yeah, so recently I've brought in some new partners is how I kind of like to call them. So we have a psychologist that's a part of Vaults now. So Lucy Atchison is a doctor in psychology. She has her own practice, but she's joined my business. And we're actually going to be teaming up going in-house with companies Mm -hmm. at this point who don't have their own employee assistance program. So we'll be able to assist people in their office. And again, having the two different perspectives, because coaching is obviously very forward thinking, probably a bit more tangible in terms of actions and accountability, but having her expertise from a clinical perspective for people who maybe have anxiety, depression, like something deeper. So that's been a new uh, kind of development. And then we've taken on a nutritionist recently as well. She's a certified life coach as well. So we've got a second trainer, Sirkan. Basically, uh, the way I picture it is there's a family of services that we'll eventually be able to offer people. Coaching will probably remain the the, the core, but Mm. what comes from coaching is other needs and other support. And I love to involve people who are experts in that. And so having them be a part of this now, I can then offer that to my clients mm. and they can then search those services from those individuals. So that's where the business that's now. It's sort of like a, a little family, which is great. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So we met you through Cycle, which is cycle.com, dot mm-hmm. which is a spin boutique that's based in London. There's four studios at the moment. And that's where we met you. So Talk to us a bit about how you got into cycle. And after that, why is it becoming so popular? What is it about spinning that, you know, people are sitting in a basement with banging music? Well, maybe that's why, but, you know, (laughs) how did you get into it? What's the attraction, do you think? Yeah, so when I moved to London, I reframed fitness in my mind. I wanted to take a break from the high-intensity workouts that I was doing back in Toronto. And my very first weekend, I met some local British friends. And they, I was telling them I I was looking for something that was just going to be fun. I loved music. I used to dance. So something that would just get me moving, but nothing too, too crazy. And they said, you have to try cycle. And I said, I really don't like cardio though. I said, I don't like cardio. I don't, I don't like cardio. I don't like spinning. I'm not going to like this. Nothing too crazy. And they said, give it a go, give it a go. So we went on a Friday night and I was hooked. Mm. It was just the, I loved the idea that you could go at your own pace, although you ride on the beat, but you know, if you were coming in that day, really just needing some headspace, you could get that. 
if you wanted to really go for it and turn that dial and, you know, sprint every time that they gave you the opportunity, you could do that too. Hmm. And it was just the music. It was the combination of the motivation plus the physicality. It just had everything. So when I left after 45 minutes, I felt like I had the benefit of the physical workout. And yes, it was high intensity, but it gave me the creativity of moving my body to rhythm, similar to dance used to do for me. And then this, the psychological journey and motivational aspect of it. I mean, mm. that's the secret sauce that cycle brings. So I was hooked. I was yeah. hooked. Tell us more about that psychological journey piece. Not necessarily your personal journey, but how does that, you know, because on the face of it, you think they're quite contradictory things, a hugely high intensity cardio workout and a psychological journey, which is parasympathetic dominant promoting, you know, it's supposed to be relaxing the nervous system. Um, Tell us more about that. Mm. I think what it creates so much of what you were saying earlier, Leanne, it's like when you are in that state of high intensity, like the adrenaline's going, cortisol levels are spiking, you become almost raw. You, you, you become a bit vulnerable, like your mm. body's exposed. And I think it's at, it's at that point that a message or wording or some verbal motivation, it can penetrate just deeper. I think you just become so like heightened in terms of awareness after doing something like that. And so the blueprint that cycle teaches us is very strategic about that. And I really appreciate that in our training is how to motivate, when to motivate. It's There's so much that goes behind the psychological element. Mm. It's very calculated. So I, I totally see what you're saying. Like it can almost seem like an oxymoron, like how are you doing both it's at once? Paper, but yeah. It's, yeah. But I think the way that it's executed and because there's a lot of research behind that and that's how we're trained, that it's not done at a random, mm. you know, we're, we're trained to increase the body at certain levels and then incorporate the psychological at certain parts as well and marrying the two and playing them both off. And that's, that's the stuff that when you come away from a class and you're like, damn, that was, ah, that was so good, but you can't really put your finger on it. But it's, it's almost like that's the stuff in the background that we pay attention to mm. so that it becomes super effective for, for the rider or for the person attending and yeah. that they get, they get both needs sort of met. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does completely. I mean, you had, sure, you won't mind me saying, I'm saying it anyway. (laughs) You're saying it anyway. I'm not quite sure what you're about to say. but You You had a moment of vulnerability on the bike, didn't you? I mean, to be fair, it was shortly after you lost your dad. Oh, yes. But, um... I mean, sometimes with the music I as well. I think it was actually Sarah's class as well. Was it? It was a Sunday. I don't remember, but... It was a Sunday, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, and it is quite exposing. You're right. You do have those moments of emotion. I've had it a couple of times where there's not been tears or anything like that, but almost a, sometimes euphoria as well. You know, mm-hmm. in the, in the down tracks where we're kind of left mm-hmm. our own devices mm-hmm. for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And you guys might be talking to us, so we might just be spinning our wheels and it's nothing too frenetic. You can go, you can, you can introspect for a bit. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's often the time that no, you know. But yeah, for me, it was the first, the first time, as Leanne said, I just thought I don't, I can't really understand how this works. You know, this high intensity workout, and yet you should be kind of, you know, it's this sort of psychological kind of almost like mindfulness thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that mm-hmm. curious blend. Yeah, and I thought, I mm-hmm. how's that going to work? And then we did the first class. And you are actually in your head. You know, it is not dissimilar mm. to, in a kind of weird way, to yoga class. I mean, you know, in, in sort of the mindset, you know, kind of 
you look inwards. I, I don't really notice mm-hmm. the people around me so much. I feel mm-hmm. very energy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't really notice who sits next to me apart from you, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have energy, and this is kind of really weird, and it works. Yeah, it does work. I mean, I always get my towel out. We always get out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I like wave my towels around. So I love you. That way it sounds like well on the podcast. No, no, that sounds a bit weird, actually. Um, no, it just works. Can we explain? No. Yeah. <laughs> the last... It, I just want to talk a bit about recovery, which kind of follows on from what we were talking about, blending the sort of sympathetic mm. dominant drive of a spin glass with a parasympathetic dominant resting and relaxing mm. the nervous system. What do you personally do for recovery? Actually, first question is, what is recovery? What does that mean to you? Mm. It's, a, it's such a great question. And similar to what you were saying, Antonio, where those of us that work in this industry, we are, we are advocates. We are paving the way. We are, we are leading by example. And I think I didn't take that seriously when I first entered this industry last year. I didn't, sorry, I didn't take myself and my recovery and my preparation seriously. And it it led me to slipping to in August of last year because I didn't, I didn't prepare before class. I wasn't warming up. I would finish class and I would just go shower and leave. And, and to me, recovery has always been something that had to be scheduled and that was separate to my workout. And actually I kind of see recovery as the foundation now, like recovery is pre and post. Mm, Yes. It's what helps facilitate and make the workout more effective and make, because again, I'm looking more at lifestyle. Mm. It's important to be moving the body. Yes. But in a sustainable way and I didn't realize that I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. You know, I was training clients and I was teaching and I was talking about, you know, taking care of yourself, but I wasn't walking the walk. And yeah. this injury has been frustrating, yes, but it's been the best lesson. And I think it was a big shock when you go to medical advice and you show them your schedule and they ask, okay, so what do you do to prepare for this? Or what do you do after you teach? Because you're teaching a lot and you're training mm. on top of that. And if you think even just training, moving the weights, and I mean, that requires quite a lot of you know, mobility. And so not yeah. even to warm up before that. So it was a bit of a slap in the face when mm-hmm. someone turns to you and go, you, you're not going to be in this industry long if you, continue, if you don't mm. make a change wow. yeah. and start to take your body seriously. And yeah, it wasn't nice to hear, but I'm glad it didn't take decades or, or years. It we caught it early enough. Yeah. And so now, yeah, I do have a routine, but for me, recovery is also the mental part. Mm. I think in this line of work, whether it's coaching or teaching, you are giving a lot and you, you're quite vulnerable too. Mm. And so I've recently certified myself as a mindfulness meditation coach, again, to provide that to my clients, but also it was becoming so important for me on a daily basis to mm. take a step back and yes, stretch physically, but the recovery was also needing to happen up here for my head. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, because interestingly, I had this discussion with one of my clients this morning. She's doing this intense eight weeks circuit classes in a gym. And it's an eight week program. So she has to do this eight weeks. And it involves at least four, um, four circuit classes a week, which is, you know, she is um, over 40. And so she's not longer 20 where she can, you know, where you can bounce back quite easily sometimes, mm. even, you know, 
And uh, so when she saw me this morning, she said, I think she said, I am absolutely exhausted. I said, oh, really? Why? Because she's not working at the moment. So, oh, really, what, what happened? And she said, I've done these four foot circuit classes and I'm just exhausted. I can't. And I said, well, what do you, you know, what is your recovery? Do you realize you need to also to recover? It's not just about banging out all these sessions and then continue with whatever you've been doing. You have to, as you said, you know, Sarah, you have to warm down, you have to warm up. And uh, she told me that sometimes, depending on their schedule, they don't do any pull down. So it's going boom, over, next glance comes in. And then so they're left to their own devices. And, you know, if you leave your clients to their own devices, nothing happens, really. Mm. I mean, you know, distraction doesn't happen. The, the cool down doesn't happen. Nothing really happens. And then go home and have a beer instead of maybe just, yeah. You know, I mean, this will sound a bit crazy, but I think companies that start to promote recovery and all the myriad different ways that you can do that, whether it's meditation, relaxing walk, what we call heartfulness, which is two things, and listeners will be familiar with this, but one of them is reconnecting with your with things you used to love. So maybe you used to really enjoy a particular hobby, guitar or listening to music or something, but the convergent pressures of work home just squeezed out the time you have for that. So you reconnect with that, even if it's just 10 minutes a week, get back in touch with that hobby and that passion. And the other side of heartfulness is contribution. It's about doing something for someone else, for something that's bigger than you. So that could be volunteering, mm. whether it's or fundraising. So that another, is another form of recovery in a way. The nervous system is being relaxed. Absolutely. And you've got lots mm. of sort of, you know, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins being released because you're happy doing what you're doing. That also, I think, is part of recovery. And businesses like yours, like ours... Um, like cycle that understand that that blend of giving people that high intensity what you know that they want but blending it with recovery or some sort yeah. of meditation mindfulness yeah. is are they you know that's going to be the kind of the fitness of the future I think mm. I mean I yeah I think recovery is totally underappreciated and in the most basic or simple terms I always tell my clients if you look at an animal most of them have cats or dogs and so if you look at your cat you take it the cat to the vet totally stressed out foaming, meowing, something comes out of the back end, maybe, you know. And then That's our cat, by the way. It's a totally stressful situation, which exercise is as well. You know, you have your life stress, you have your, on top of that, you do exercise and another, another stress, stress factor. And what does the cat do when we take her home, when we take him home? It goes in the corner and sleeps it off. You know, that's recovery. So they are back to normal. You know, they sleep off two or three hours and then they are recharged and can carry on with their little cat life or dog life, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't do that. No. Mm-hmm. We completely ignore it. We just think that we have to be on 24 hours a day. Yeah. Be more cat. Be more cat. Be more cat. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my 85 year old grandfather was visiting last week from Canada and he did two of my spin classes. If you can even imagine that. Yeah, he did. Wow. Now, obviously he wasn't doing all of the sprints and all of it. But I mean, he was doing the weight section and he was standing up when he could. And, and I said, grandpa, I really need to understand how you're able, he doesn't look 85. He lives a very vibrant life. He's very switched on still. And he said, Sarah, I've always treated fitness as move my body every day, but choose the most appropriate way that that looks like. So he's always been, he'll just spend days stretching. Some days he'll walk instead of taking the bus. Cause that's, what he can do, but he started that at a very young age at 40. And that's how he's been able to be in the long game. And I think that's what we all want. It's yeah. not these short-term gains just to get the workout out and get the sweat. I think 
sweating feels nice. Yes. But it, that isn't going to suit you that day. We have to be more intuitive to our body and, and be kinder that you can still benefit without beasting yourself. Yeah. And I think that anecdote for me could be one of the most important takeaways from the whole thing, not to detract from anything else you've said, you know, it's about health span, not lifespan. It's about longevity of health span and useful, you know, happy life rather than how hard you smash something and the crushing of workouts and all this awful yeah. terminology. Yeah. To finish up, I'd love to know what your non-negotiables are. What do you make sure happens every day or every week to stay fit and well and happy? Ooh, good one. So sleep for me. Yeah. Sleep is priority. If that's even a nap, if I haven't had my full eight hours, I do schedule naps. I never understand how people don't nap, but <laughs> I'll teach them. <laughs> it's an art. It's an art. And I've, I've perfected the art of napping. Yeah. <laughs> and do you track your sleep? I do. I do. I try not to get obsessed with it. I use my Fitbit is what I use to track my sleep. And then my Calm app. So that's what I use for guided meditations. But mm -hmm. to me, a daily meditation, usually 10 minutes and journaling. I like to just get my thoughts out. I've never looked back on my journals. I've journaled my whole life. It's always been a great tool just to get thoughts on paper, mm. good thoughts, bad thoughts, all the things in between. But to me, just getting things out of my head really helps kind of cleanse me, I guess. So I can approach every day really freshly, new perspective, new energy. Yeah. And just kind of keep the ball rolling. Fantastic. So right. sleep, meditation, journaling, brilliant. Okay. Your Instagram is at Sarah Elliott, E-L-L-I-O-T-T underscore coach. Your email, Sarah, vault-coaching.com and the website is vault-coaching.com. We'll put links to all of that in the show notes. Is there anything else that you're doing at the moment that you want to promote or plug or anything else I've not asked you in the last mm. 60 seconds that you would <laughs> like to talk about? Well, I'm excited to be hosting retreats this year. It's something mm. that organically has developed in my business because I love to travel and this idea of having a space for people to, again, move their body and have an intellectual stimulation, um, get them in a really nice space. So that's something that's happening this year in Canada. We're going to expand into the Caribbean next year. But yeah, it's all, it's all kind of happening. It's all good stuff. I just need to can really thank you guys for being such big supporters. And it makes such a difference having the right people, the right people in your life. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. And likewise. Yeah. Okay. So if anyone's interested in those retreats, I presume they can connect with you on Instagram. Do you have a newsletter yet? Not yet. No. Okay. No, well, no, I they don't. can, they can jump on the website or connect with you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been great. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.